Welcome back to the Not Just a Bikini Girl podcast. This is your host, Jasmine Jeffrey. And today I have the lovely Rhea Gale. Rhea is an IFBB figure pro who we've known each other for like quite a few years now. I can't remember how many years, but quite a few years. And it's been, it's definitely overdue that we've got you on the podcast now. So welcome, babe. If people don't know you, give like the quickest 30 to 60 second like overview of who you are. And we'll take it from there. Um, I'm Rhea. I'm 27. I compete in figure. Um, I'm an IFBB pro and two-time Olympian. Love dogs. Love everything to do with dogs. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> so, hang on, let's do the dog, dog talk now, because that's the most important part. Like, screw your competing achievements. I want to hear about your dog right now. So... Talk to us about your little one, because it's a rescue, isn't it? You've got a rescue. Yeah, so I have a new rescue. We got him in Tampa, and his name is Marvel, and he's just the cutest little boy ever. Love it. What sort of dog is he? So he's a terrier mix, so he's got bits of, like, staffy, pit, just everything. But you can't, like, pinpoint exactly what he is, because from different angles, he looks like different dogs, so... Yeah. <laughs> so what was do you know like his backstory at all? Um he was found just wandering around in Panama City. So and like when we got him, he was very quiet. He never barked. Um, it was only like last month that he found his voice when he fa- looked at himself in the mirror and he was like, Oh my god, who is that? Oh. And that's the first time we ever heard him bark, but he was just very like quiet and very, very loving. So yeah. I love that. What sort of like what sort of have you come across like any sort of like not I wouldn't say issues um because it's like it's not their fault like for me yeah. Hunter he's yeah. like amazing but he has got a little bit of fear aggression in him so we have to be really careful around like certain dogs and all that sort of thing like is there anything you've kind of come across with your little one not so much like it's just very very playful um and we haven't quite like we're kind of like waiting because I know with rescues if they've got a certain background then things can kind of trigger them but he was eight months when we got him so I don't know if it was kind of too early for him to remember anything yeah. as such. so he we haven't encountered anything other than like the fact that he was so quiet and didn't bark and we we're like are you broken <laughs> but yeah eight months is a good age though because like any if anything has occurred then you can kind of you've got a chance to kind of mold yeah a little bit oh I love that I love that so you've how long have you been in America now because I I just I know I remember seeing you in Mexico and then seeing you in America and I thought I don't like I don't know how this came about I don't know how long she's staying there is she like a resident now is she coming back home like tell us about that situation and how it came about for you yeah, so obviously at first I went to Mexico, I came to Cancun because I had to be out of the UK for two weeks before doing the Olympia. And my boyfriend lives in Tampa anyway, so because the Olympia was in Orlando, it was only an hour away from Tampa. So I stayed afterwards because of the whole lockdown in the UK and my flights were cancelled anyway. So I was like, there's no rush to head home just yet because I can still do everything post-show here, train and everything. Um, and then it kind of got to the point where it's like, I kind of get 90 days anyway, so let's just enjoy this time. And then 
due to the UK still being in lockdown, I've then come to Cancun. Um, so I'm back in Mexico, training, eating, sleeping, just the same routine. But I'm just like, at the moment, there's no rush for me to get home. Yeah, that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. So the Olympia then. I want to know, like, was there was there anything that you thought the Olympia would be like? Or, um, like, did you have any, like, idea as to what the Olympia would be like before you did it? If so, like, did it meet the expectations? Were there something, certain things that kind of surprised you or that were different at all? So, like, if I kind of go back to the first one, it was kind of one moment that I actually met up with Kate Arrington, like, some weeks before. Um just to, I'm someone that gets overwhelmed very easily. And I was like, oh my God, the Olympia, the Olympia, the Olympia. So I spoke with Kate and she was kind of like, told me what to expect so that I could really go into the show and not be overwhelmed by everything. And like that moment for me was like kind of everything because as soon as I got to the Olympia, I was like, oh, oh, oh. Cause it's very, very easy to kind of get overwhelmed. And I didn't want to be so kind of overwhelmed that I kind of forgot about the experience. Yeah. Did you find like the moment of overwhelm, like I think a lot of competitors have those feelings. Was that the strongest feeling of overwhelm you think you've had in your whole competing career? Do you think there's other moments that kind of like are on par with that? Yeah. So other shows I've kind of felt like that. I think with the Olympia it's one that you're like okay I'm here whatever happens now is a bonus I have that mindset with every show I go into but the Olympia is not one that you can be like okay I kind of think you know I can bounce around in that top 10 or you know top five you know you can't really make a prediction for yourself at that show so in terms of being overwhelmed that kind of feeling wasn't really there because it was like, okay, get on stage. I can't physically do anymore. Like this is the Olympia. Whereas other shows I've been very much like, oh my God, like da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So I have kind of had more overwhelming feelings outside of the Olympia. And how do you overcome them? Just really kind of taking yourself out of the situation and kind of really being rational about everything because I'm such a big advocate of enjoying what I'm doing otherwise there's no point in doing it so even though I'll feel very very overwhelmed I'm kind of like okay really like you've made it this far whatever happens now is a bonus like yes you want this so bad but don't let that sort of feeling affect your performance Mm, yeah it's taking a step back taking everything in as it is and being like okay breathe it's fine like we got this yeah I think some of us forget that like the pros feel it and they probably feel it more than the amateurs I would say sometimes yeah yeah I definitely say that yeah I think some people think that pros are kind of like superheroes in the fact that like we never get nervous or you know everything is just 100 and perfect but we're still humans still competitors we still have the same factors that could be hit and miss the same as amateurs you know it's just the margin is a lot smaller but in terms of like the feels of being nervous excited overwhelmed like I very much still feel those so the plans obviously for the Olympia that was December was that a weird shift 
for you to be competing that late in the in the year yeah it was it was one that was like okay normally I'm kind of done by September but it was one that was like because the whole world was different I was like this doesn't feel so different but it was actually quite nice that it was just like a week before Christmas and yeah it was it was awesome it was awesome and what sort of things like in between the Olympias that you've done like what sort like did it feel easy not easier but like did it not did the nerves kick in the same way like does it get easier the more olympias you do do you think well yeah i kind of think that the first olympia i done in 2019 was really just like a okay like we've made this after hammering five shows getting the points and getting there and now i sort of placed 13th in 2019 and i remember i watched finals and i was like one day I really want to be on that final stage because only top 10 make that. So going into the 2020 season, that was always at the back of my mind. So every everything was kind of different because I kind of knew what to expect. And yeah, the mindset going in was different, but I was still like really excited, really nervous, like, oh my God, we're here. Like, yeah, it was just mad, absolutely mad. I don't think anyone can actually like even try and imagine what it feels like like especially when you've been doing it for so many years as well like was that always the goal for you Olympia do you think weirdly like when I first started the goal was just to like get on stage and like let's see what happens Mm. Um, and then kind of when I turned pro I was like oh like okay, we start from the beginning again and you've got the Olympia, you've got the Arnolds and it's like, yeah, let's try and reach for those goals, have those goals there. But I never thought I would get there so soon. That's interesting. That's interesting as well that you mentioned about starting at square one again yeah. as well. Like, yeah. what's, do you think, some people I think some feel like they're kind of taking a step back and they're going kind of going back to where they were but obviously where you started as an amateur and where you started as a pro is very two like two very very different things um like from a mindset perspective when you started with amateur i, I can never say that word and it's a word i have to use all the time on this, on this podcast but when you started yeah that is when you started as a pro like what sort of mindset shifts did you kind of experience what sort of like, like yeah like what sort of mindset like aspects did you have going into the pro rankings that you kind of wish or oh, I wish I bought that maybe when I was you know trying to get that pro card if that makes sense yeah so in terms of mindset like compared to when I sort of first started when I first started it was really on a mental health journey so it was kind of like actually having a goal that I could achieve and have no pressure of doing it because the, I knew that the stage was always going to be there and I kind of had that with every show that I was doing. I was just like, okay, whatever happens now is a bonus. I really enjoy the process and I feel mentally like I'm getting better. And then sort of the results were coming and I was like, oh, we could actually turn this into something. And it was all just about like having fun, enjoying the process and doing shows, meeting people. And then turning pro, it was kind of like a, okay, like we're still here to have fun, but it's now you've gone from sort of the best amateur and getting your pro card to 
not necessarily the worst pro because it's not a way to put it but in my mind it was like okay you've gone to the worst pro so now you have to work your way up again but the margins are so much smaller and it's not just about okay yeah da, 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 da. it's like okay like there's big things at stake now there's olympia qualification there's olympia points that you can get there's big stages that you can get on and it was like a okay it's a reset starting from the bottom waking your way up again I've, I don't know about you, I think there's been a big shift the past couple of, couple of days, couple of years with yeah. the amateur rank, uh, amateur sort of environment. I think a lot of people are going into it wanting to go pro like straight away. That's literally the goal from the get-go. Whereas like similar to like yourself, I went in just going like, do you know what? I just want to do this myself. I just want to have fun and all that sort of thing. Like, would you... I don't know, like, I'm trying to think how the way, the way to formulate this question, but I, I personally wonder with some people that are coming in now thinking, mm, is it the best idea when you don't maybe know, like, if how long you're going to stay in a sport, if you enjoy it, if you've got the genetics, like, is it the best way to go in going, I want to go pro, that's the goal in a different in comparison to maybe do you know what I mean coming in into the industry in a different way like what do you kind of think now you're now you are pro like what do you think to that kind of construct yeah so I think it's actually quite an interesting question and I know that a lot of people have different mindsets so some people are really like this is my goal I'll do anything it can to achieve it whereas like me when I first started it was like okay here to have fun love the process let's just see what happens um, and those two different mindsets don't mean you kind of want it any more or any less than that person. But I would just say to remember that the pro league is a different game. Like you can go from winning shows countlessly as an amateur to then turning pro and it being five, six years until you actually win a pro show or seven years until you actually make it to the Olympia. So I kind of say like, it's not a, Yes, I know you have the ambitions of turning pro, but just think about if it's the right time. How many shows have you done as an amateur? Like, do you enjoy the process? Because once you do get to the pro league, the shows aren't, there aren't shows every single weekend that you can do. It starts to be, you have to be strategic with how you plan your seasons because you physically can't do every show because the standard is so much higher. So it's kind of a thing of, are you ready? And I mean, some people, win get their pro card win their pro debut and have their olympia debut all in the space of a year Mm. Uh, some people will turn pro and then you kind of never see them again so it's kind of like a it is a different kettle of fish yeah i don't discourage anyone from aiming for their pro card but really kind of think about how you're going to utilize it afterwards Mm. because it's all about like i do see a lot of the pros like they are insane, but you can't, I, I think when I first got into the industry, I'd be like, why has that person not got first in the pro league? I'm like, what? I, I just didn't get it. Like, did not understand it at all. And even sometimes when you see girls that potentially are like a little bit disheartened of turning third or, sec- or getting third or second, I just think this is literally, your tra- this is training for you being pro because you've got to get used to this. Unfortunately, like it is the way of the game. Like, all about managing expectations as well because it's not the pro league is not an easy feat in terms of placings and I kind of remember 2019 when I was like coming third 
and fourth and fifth in my pro shows and people are like oh my god you must be so disappointed I'm like no like even making like top eight to in the top five is like huge so yeah. it's really kind of being able to manage your expectations and know that you're not going to win every show but coming top five in a pro show is big because that's where you're starting to accumulate olympia points yeah i always think right if you get first call outs in anything oh my you're God. doing something like you yeah. are doing something right like just yeah. take it <laughs> yeah. yeah so it, it is like when you it is little things like that like when people are like oh Maria, what's your goal for the show to try and get into that first call out yeah. you know like it's never it's obviously pro win is on my bucket list and I managed to achieve that last year and it's still on my bucket list to kind of be able to do that again but going into a show it's always like okay let's try and get into that first call out and more importantly making sure that we're improving on the judges feedback because that is a big big thing in the pro league they don't just want to see you showing up for the sake of showing up they want to see you showing up but making the improvements that they've asked for like, do you find the feedback in the pro rankings is more consistent than the amateur rankings? Like, I know, like, it's, I think that's probably a hard one to answer, but, like, I know people, I, I even for amateurs, when they get feedback and it's conflicting, like, or it's kind of not the way they wanted it, or they, they bring that feedback and then something doesn't work out. Like, how do you as a pro, especially yeah. when, you know, it isn't easy just to jump into another show and go, okay, we're just gonna try a different yeah. judging panel or try a different look. Like, how do you like navigate that? And have you found it to be like more consistent or have you found it to still be the same sort of like differences, if that makes sense? Yeah, so it is for me personally, it has been consistent like for 2019. And I knew that that was something that needed to be proven. It was my legs. So that's what we sort of hammered and it's still something to this day that I really still want to improve. Um, so you will get judges feedback that is consistent to sort of one thing, but then sometimes there will be other things that you're kind of like, oh, okay. But it's all about having an open mind. We're doing a sport that is so subjective because it's, it's just based on what they see on the day. Mm. So like say if your peak isn't right and you go, in, go into pre-judging and you're flat, they're, they're going to say okay you needed more shoulders but a bit of like few more carbs in my shoulder like do you know what I mean it's not that that's been my feedback but it can be so yeah. so because the margins are so close that it can be little things that then affect your physique and it's not actually what it is so you kind of have to take the feedback for what it is feed it back to your coach because your coach is going to know exactly what you need to improve on looking mm. at your package as a whole so it's all about sort of being open-minded when you have the feedback but if it is something that you kind of look at your physique and be like do you know what that actually needs improving then get back to the drawing board and get it done do you know i wish though you could just like turn to pre-judging and be like look day two of peak week i was sick look just yeah. have a look at this photo yeah. Yeah. Like, let, look let me just show you my phone look there just take that into consideration great thanks mum. like and then just just leave just to come back for finals <laughs> it's like i'm done now <laughs> For example, actually, at the Olympia, my feedback was about my back. I need a better back. But it was the way that I was posing. Interesting. She was like, you need more depth and more width in your back. And I looked back, I could feel it as I was posing because I was nervous. Because mm. I kind of, pre-judging, I kind of really put it on myself and was like, Rhea, this is it. Like, this is the best we've ever looked. Like, come on. But I could feel it in my back pose. I was kind of 
everything was like, mm. I was like, why do I think? So there is some things that I was like, mm, and then obviously I got the feedback and she sent me the photos and I was like, I know exactly what I'm doing because my check-in photos and the photos from finals are completely different to what I was doing in pre-judging. So little things like that, even coming down to your posing and the way that you show off your physique can then give the judges, you know, say that you need to work on something, but you actually have that body part, but you're not displaying it how you should. With the backstage experience of Olympia, like it's, what is that like? Is it kind of weird standing next to people? You're like, oh my God, I've like looked up to you for bloody years. Like, do you even say that to them? Do you play it cool? Like, how do you act? If anyone ever has to get backstage with Olympians, like how, how do you act? What's the best way? I would say just be yourself because I'm very much like, I've been, this will, this will be going into my third, yeah, into my third season as a pro. And still to this day, I'm like, oh my God, like look up to you so much. And it's, it's kind of just, I, I'm the biggest, I am such a fan girl, like for real, for real. Like I can't help it. I will put my hands up high and say that right now. But it is, <laughs> it is just so like nice and inspiring that you're competing against girls that you've looked up to since you started this sport and they are just as nice as they are successful. Because sometimes you find like people will change once they get a certain level of success mm. ever. But I haven't found that within figure or backstage at the Olympia. It's kind of like a system where everyone's like, how are you feeling? Do you need anything? Like, girl, let's do this. Like, good luck, everybody. Like, it is, it's insane. It's incredible. I love that. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want to like meet your, your heroes, do you? Because they're just going to yeah. be a dick and you're like, great, that's two years wasted. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's how, insane. Like, how do you stay grounded then? Like, how do you, when you've got loads of, you know, when this success is coming and you've got loads of people that are being like the hype girl, which is like amazing, they're being really supportive. At the same time, I can, I can imagine for a pro or even for anyone, it's it's amazing because you're getting the positivity, but you you don't want to kind of get too complacent. Um, like, how do you keep that level ground in your own sort of in like day to day life and your own sort of mindset as well? Yeah, so I think that is so important, um, and I think this is something that has been instilled with me through diving as well. And it's always I remember exactly how I started, and you know especially on Instagram you do have a lot of like hype people and it's just really about remembering like at the end of the day when you get on stage it's down to the judges so people be like you're gonna win you look insane you're gonna get top five you're gonna do this and like some people will really be like yeah like I am but for me as an individual I'm very much like I still have quite a bit of self-doubt so I'm like yeah no 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 no, 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 no. I'm just going to focus on what I have to do. And then whatever happens is a bonus. So I kind of, again, really take myself back and be like, okay, Rhea, this is, this is the reality. This is the show we've got. This is the list that we're against. Like we can't sort of really be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's always the, what if, because the margins are so small. Um, as I hear about a lot of the pros, shows it's literally like the tiniest details and it's like crazy yeah it is and that's what 
in the pro league, you have to, but one thing that's really, really important is that you are happy with what you bring. You can't tie your happiness into placings because they bounce around so much. And especially if you do shows in the States, you've got different judging panels in the West Coast, in the East Coast, in different, like rings of strength, they'll have a certain judging panel, you know, in different productions and different promoters will have different judges. And even though you've got, okay, this is the criteria, you'll have judges that will prefer a certain look. Mm. So again, it's, it's not saying that you have to stick to a certain show, but it's about doing as being exposed as much as you can to kind of find out what they're looking for and stuff like that. Like if you had your time again as a pro, would you do the same pro shows that you did? Yeah. I, I picked my pro shows on places that I wanted to visit love that yeah so for example like when I'd done New York I was like I really want to go to New York but then I've also even as an amateur knew about the New York Pro and knew how prestigious this show was so it was like let's just get into the deep end like and that's the thing also you can't be afraid of doing shows depending how big or small they are in the pro league you've just got to just do it and (laughs) I I was so out of my comfort zone I was like hey are we doing this we're doing this okay yeah yeah let's just do this so yeah that's sick that's a a nice way to do it though because it's like you're still keeping that fun element even when you are pro and you know the stakes are higher like you're still keeping that fun element which I think is really important whether you're you know just starting out or turning pro I think it's 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 great being serious like there is a time and a place but I think it is so important to have fun with this shit do you know what I mean yeah definitely so do now it's got a little bit more strategic because we kind of know that okay we can make the olympia we can cut the top 10 at the olympia so now it's like okay we need to do shows that potentially we can either get the points or get that pro win and then kind of structure the season in that way so i'm kind of like but again it's still choosing shows on okay i'd like to visit there or i'd like to do that one so Yeah. yeah definitely I love that so the next sort of thing I want to be talking about is like your morning routine everyone seems very obsessed with their morning routine um but like what is your morning routine also what's your evening routine like do you have one I know some people don't and like I guess give like a bit of an insight as to like what you do within your day like what does the day of Rhea look like oh my god guys especially while I'm out here finding stray dogs wishing I could take them home so much feels it's so honestly if I could have like about five thousand dogs then seriously good but two is enough (laughs) um so for example my morning routine I wake up typically around like well it kind of depends whether it's prep or off season to how early I'll wake up because prep I'm very much like camera in summer day where's my meal one But especially kind of in off season, I make sure I'm up around like six, half six, no phone for at least like an hour. Like for sure, I will get up, I'll write my daily intentions, like what I want to achieve in the day. I'll have my coffee and then I will have my meal one and then head out for a walk. Like I try not to be inside too much first thing in the morning because then I can get very much like, oh, it's actually really nice in here. I'm just going to chill out for a while yeah and then 
my evening routine typically is sort of have my meal, my final meal around nine, and then literally just like pop a series on or something called Netflix and just really chill out before I go to sleep because I can't. I'm one that has a bit of a iffy sleep routine. So sometimes if I'm overthinking, I can be up until like two in the morning and yeah. then my whole day is kind of disturbed. So I just put something on in the background and then really just try and chill out and then head off to sleep. So it's nothing like over complicated or something that I'm like, I must do this, 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 this and this. Because I know for some people that kind of works, but for me, especially in the evening, I need to be really like not thinking about anything. Something on lying down, getting ready for bed, just unwinding. Yeah, just chilling out. I always find it really interesting what people's morning routine is though, because I think it's so, it is so person dependent. It don't think it actually, in my opinion, like I don't think it actually matters on your goals. Like it literally matters on your dynamic and like exactly what you said, you know that if you don't get out straight out, straight outside, straight away, you know what your body, what your brain will automatically want to kind of go into that comfort zone. I find that so interesting. Um, <laughs> next question for you. More about like drive, discipline, resilience. Do you think that's something that you've been like, you've had since you were like, you're younger? Do you think your driving experience has helped? Like, do you think people can develop those traits through bodybuilding? Yeah, I think I, I feel like I had resilience in diving because of the injuries I had and everything that went on. But then I kind of felt like, because I did step away because of my mental health, I was like battling of, am I really like that resilient because I couldn't overcome that and continue. But then going into bodybuilding, it kind of taught me a different type of resilience and like really the whatever it takes mindset, but not into like a, toxic positivity like no days off always need to grind all day every day like yeah. that that's the quickest way you're going to burn out like everybody needs sleep everybody needs downtime like um, so yeah the whole sort of resilient drive like that can definitely be adopted through the bodybuilding world for sure yeah. and I mean again like competing isn't for everybody but even after my first show and that prep was just like, come on, you could see from the first photos, like what I looked like, that prep was like a, what the hell? Um, but it still taught me so much about myself. Like it's not, prep isn't easy, but I was like, even with everything going on here, I still made it to the stage. And I was like, wow, like I, even though to many that seems so little, to me that was like a huge, mountain I had to climb and I kind of owe so much to bodybuilding for it's kind of made me into today mm. I find it so fascinating that you've mentioned about your mental health and as a pro you've mentioned burnout like you've mentioned so many things here where like I think sometimes the misconception like, I don't know what it is but in bodybuilding I think in anything like you're really like you're driven and there's a lot lots of like ambitious ambitious and driven people it's I think it's a difficult one sometimes for a lot of people to kind of go, well, where, like, where, where's the line where like I'm deemed as hardworking and where's the line that like, it's okay to take that time off and listen to myself and kind of navigate that space, especially in 
the world of bodybuilding, which is very <laughs> driven by no days off. Like it's really, I think, have you found that you've had to kind of find your own definition of that? So you yeah, can keep, yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Like talk to us yeah, about yeah. that process if you have gone through that. Yeah, so I was always like, I need to be on 100 because everybody else is on 100 and looking at Instagram, everyone's like, team no days off and if you take a day off then you're weak and whatever and I was just like ah because especially being so new into the sport I was kind of like okay no no I I must like do everything every single day and then I kind of think it's the important like it is so important to rest it's so important to recover because you only get one body and if you if you're in a prep and you are burnt out you can see it in your body so it is just so important to kind of not get caught up with the whole no days off or like no one cares, work harder. Because some people really kind of, you don't really know what people's mental states are. And like everyone can sort of be walking around as fine. But if someone says like, oh, no one cares, work harder, someone can really literally take that and be like, I need to like dig myself into the ground. Like, and it's, it's so easy, especially in this sport, to burn out because of how extreme everything is. Like from dieting to post-show to off-season to then being in a prep, like we have to make sure that our bodies and our minds are in a good place. So what sort of things do you do then for your own mental health? Like how do you keep it in check? And like what's what would you class as like your downtime or like your rest sort of phases? So this away social media I take social media breaks and my most recent one was end of January to like middle of February when I got here and I was just like I need to I felt like not in a bad place but I'm on such a high from the Olympia and then I was fine post-show and I was like oh yes for once I've kind of I've got this, like, I've got my mindset in check, like, post-show, this is the best I've ever done, oh my god, it's post-show, I feel really sad, I'm this, I'm that, I was negatively talking to myself, and, like, my boyfriend was like, Ria, like, no, you can't do that, and I'm very much the one that will just run myself into the ground negatively talking about myself, and it's something that I'm working so hard on, and so, for me, when I kind of feel a little bit, like, and to like protect my mental health I would take time on social media I'll make sure as hard as it is for me I'll make sure that I reach out to my closest friends and like I have friends that if I don't post on Instagram for like two days it's like are you okay because I kind of know that that's the kind of thing I do and especially for me I find it very difficult to open up but talking to my coaches like and just being like this is how I am and realizing that it is normal because sometimes I get into a place of like, oh, I shouldn't be feeling like this. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be sad. I shouldn't be like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Like people would kill to do this. So I shouldn't ever feel like that. And that is half the battle for me. Because I'm like, shouldn't feel like this, but I do. And then I get really like, mm. but I need to remember that everybody is human. I am human as well. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think a lot of people would relate to that and take comfort in the fact that like it's, as it is literally all right like it's it's not okay like just to sit and it's so okay just to actually open up about it and you've mentioned about opening up in general like taking time away from social media that sort of thing do you feel like as a pro 
and obviously a lot of your like your income your revenue is from being a pro like do you find it sometimes like difficult to be sharing um like even like your day-to-day life or your physique updates just generally sharing like yourself in your life like do you find that quite difficult sometimes and how do you find that middle ground where you're like okay this this is my boundary and this is this is the level yeah so it's something that I've kind of played around with because sometimes I get very guarded and don't want anyone to think that I'm like something that I'm not so in that aspect I'm like I'm I never want to come across as not authentic because that's not who I am. Like I want people to know exactly who I am for me. And I think that is very, very important, especially when it comes to social media, because I buy into people because of who they are. I feel like people can see straight through it if they're not. So I try to be as open, honest as I can be on my social media, but also do it in a way that can kind of, if there's somebody out there that does follow me and they're kind of having a really doubtful day and it's like, okay, like somebody else actually go through that. So I, I kind of want my platform to be like a, it's a real me and I want people to see what I do, what I look like and just authentic. Mm. But how do you have those moments that you just think, no, do you know what? Like, I want to keep things to myself. Like, I don't want to be sharing everything. Like, do you get to that point as well? Yeah, I think when I get to that point, I get very like, that's when I kind of like, won't post anything. Cause I'm like, I've got, I just, I need to just take this in. Um, but then again, getting out of my comfort zone. I'm like, I want to, it's a way to kind of stop being so guarded. Mm. that's also kind of like the battle I have when I'm having a down day rather than just like okay that that doesn't that world doesn't exist just being more like it's still okay like it's okay to not every single day that's great yeah I find it interesting like hearing like your like from where you are like where you are now like obviously where like I think when we last saw each other was oh I want to say 2018 I think yeah mate three years oh my god lol um but no I think I think you've like you've really come into your own groove that's kind of the perception that I've got anyway from even talking to you right now like you're in your own groove and like I think you're a lot more kinder on yourself and you seem more like self-reflective and more self-aware yeah I really and this is something that like going through my computer journey from like 2018 to now it's really helped me grow into my own like even little things like traveling to shows like by myself and like having to do so much and everything like that and being sometimes I always get scared of like oh what do people think of me but the return has always been so nice that I've kind of trying to stop self-doubting and just be more myself and really just yeah not that I was anyone before but I would say like back then I was very like just yeah if if that's it I don't need a word for it but I was just very much like in my own little like I'm scared of the world yeah (laughs) I know what you mean though I know what you mean like do you in terms of like growth with like with it with its business or competing like how do you deal with that growth like that's a I think that's a hard thing sometimes because you want the success, you want the growth, but 
then you're like well this requires a completely different me and that shit is scary yeah um so it kind of like with everything that happens like so quickly and for me bodybuilding has really taught me to adapt to situations so sometimes again like even when I get like a big influx of things I get very overwhelmed but then I use the technique of stepping back okay like this is it people are coming to you for you want your help this is what you're passionate about so right get to it and yeah I think it's just about the whole adapting mindset to everything that you're doing is shaping you into who you want to become so don't fight it just let it happen yeah don't resist just go with the flow literally going with the flow easier than done but yeah just go with the yeah flow. <laughs> <laughs> so what other plans for i know everyone probably asked you this question you're sick of answering it but i'm just gonna ask you anyway because i've pretty much started it so what are your plans for like this year in particular then so this year uh, i'm aiming to hit a show june july and see what happens um, and then maybe hit some july august but yeah the goal is always to you know get to the olympia but again it's not an easy feat like you don't know who's going to show up you don't know what you're going to look like but obviously that is the goal and if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't but we're aiming to bring our best this season again so yeah nice how long do you roughly like I well ideally how long would you be staying like in like prep condition like stage condition like I know some people try like they just go back to back back to back but if you're a pro and you've got all these pro shows I can imagine it's not sometimes as easy to just go oh next week jump oh next week jump like how long for you is kind of like your cutoff point where you go okay I can do maybe like two months but then I know I need to pull back and then go again later yeah so it kind of depends so like for, for example when I've done the Arnold in 2020 oh my goodness it was so long ago we done Ohio and then two weeks later would have been Australia and it's just about being smart post-show because you don't want to be even more depleted so sort of feeding up increasing food and just it's just being smart with the process and it's in that period of time when you're kind of thinking of back-to-back shows it's about burnout mentally and physically um because I remember 2019, I sort of done three off the bat and then I had four weeks and then I'd done two back to back. And it kind of got to where I was like, oh my God, doing this. I was kind of just like on auto mode, like, okay, let me think about it. But it can become very like demanding. So it is just, especially like in the pro ranks, it's just being smart, looking at the calendar, looking at what shows are close together. So you sort of don't have to do one show and then seven weeks later do another one within like two to three weeks that's decent but it's yeah. all about making sure that you're fresh each show you come into because if you're not you you can tell by your body yeah 100% I find that like it's even with like my last prep which was forever ago like if I would rest if I would like not stress it would be fine <laughs> as soon as like I stress or as soon as like I'm trying to push things too much or I'm not feeding enough like it's just downhill it's literally just downhill yeah so I think we should finish it off with, hmm, 
Okay, so what makes you not just a bikini girl? Well, technically, what makes you not just a figure girl? So it has to be something that isn't fitness related, isn't like boy boy related, um, that people might not know about you, maybe, or like what's something that is completely out of bodybuilding that you absolutely love. This is crazy. I've never thought about this. Oh God. Oh my goodness. Wow. What makes me me without competing? Wow. Okay. <laughs> so sorry. That would be so hard. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Don't hate me. Someone help me. What makes me? me? <laughs> I promise to you, fair, I can imagine you, if you weren't competing over again, I can imagine you as like a dog trainer or something. I don't know why. Oh my goodness, I'd love that. I'm kind of like, what do I enjoy outside of competing? Like, I love, for me, it's really bizarre because I, it's my life and like I've always identified as an athlete, like from when I was a gymnast, when I was diving, it's always been my life and I've never really thought about me outside of it mm. would you still train uh, if you didn't compete yeah yeah I'd still be I'd still find myself involved even if I wasn't involved yeah so, yeah oh my god Jazz I'm gonna have to get back to you like <laughs> the thing is like people it's I think it's it's not a bad thing like so if this is your if this is your passion you love it like you'll be involved in it whether you're a figure yeah like Capacitor or not, like that's the way that I see it. Yeah. Like, even if I never step on stage again, I'm still gonna help that girl like swear her bikini by, or you know, that sort of that sort yeah. of thing. Like, you always find your way to kind of connect back into it. And I think it's like some people have like stuff, but I don't think it's a bad thing if you if that if this is if this is like not it, but you know what I mean. Like, if this is where you're best, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, that's actually like that's such a good question that is such a good question and I think for some it might be scary to think like this is everything I know competing is it could be around forever so what about after but even after I will still have a presence and you know be at shows helping people pose like I love this industry so much and I've got so much passion for it so just bring the dogs with you and you'll be and you'll be you'll be happy yeah Hell yeah. I love dogs. That's it. Boom. But you just have the dogs like with the medals, like just sit in there and then the dog just hands out the medals and like, yeah. Here we go. If you have, ever have a rear girl like show, then I expect dogs to be present. First place gets two puppies. Sponsored by some pet food company that has just started to branch out into the bodybuilding world. Look, man, of things have happened, babe. So, you know, just so. Keep your eyes peeled, guys. <laughs> the dog Love guy. it. Right, I'm going to end it there, Chick. But thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh, my goodness. It's been a pleasure. But I hope you um, girls and guys that are listening have enjoyed this one. Um, I'm going to leave Rhea's details below. And yeah, we'll see you all in the next episode.